25% of Baptist churches are in a search for a pastor right now. Uh, and there's not a pool large enough to draw from. And it's, it's significant in all of our states where there's just a shortage of pastors. And when you talk to pastors uh, who are serving, uh, especially on this side of COVID, uh, in my work, I interact with pastors all the time. And it is a regular occurring matter where they are just struggling. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler, and we are coming to you from the summit. This is the gathering of Tennessee Baptists being held at Bellevue Baptist Church in Cordova, Tennessee. The event is taking place November 13th through the 16th. Bot Radio Network has the privilege of having a, a booth space here, and we're taking advantage of this time to record some interviews and bring those to our Bot Radio Network listeners. And I think you're going to enjoy this next time that we're having together with a old-time friend. You'll remember Dr. Charles Fowler, formerly the pastor of Germantown Baptist Church. I ran into Charles. He's living on the other side of the state now in East Tennessee in the beautiful Smoky Mountains, and he's the president of Carson Newman College Charles, God bless you, brother. Thank you so much for joining Bot Radio. Well, it is a joy to see you again, Byron, and to, to be a part of, of your radio ministry. Thank you. This is awesome. Well, I know that education has been something that has been on your heart. Uh, really, it's really a calling. As many of these men that are here are called to pastor, which I know that you yourself have pastored, but the main thread of your ministry, I think, has been education. It has. I was at Union University for 15 plus years before coming to Germantown Baptist. And now I've been president at Carson Newman University for starting my fourth year. When you look across the educational lens and you think about where Southern Baptists are in preparing the next generation, where are we, Charles? You know, it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag in that on the, on the one hand, this generation, I have not been more excited about a generation as I am this one. They have a heart to serve. And when they uh, commit themselves to Christ, they are, they're all in. And uh, we're just living in a culture where uh, it's, it's sometimes hard for these young people to hear and sense God's call and purpose for their lives clearly. And so what Southern Baptists are doing through all of our colleges and universities is an invaluable service, I think, to the kingdom and to the churches just to try to help equip the called and help send out businessmen and ladies and lawyers and nurses who love Jesus and serve him in those platforms. How has the, the model of education, if you will, differed from when you started to where we are today as we many are say living in a post-christian culture in the united states and trying to prepare a generation of godly men and women it has changed a lot in that when i went to college uh i think as a in general our culture was a very christian friendly culture i guess or it was more christian friendly and people came to college with a with a better general understanding of the gospel and how that should shape our hearts and minds and lives. Uh, these days, are, is that is not always the case. And even uh, young people who come to us and they've grown up in the church, they're just not equipped with a biblical worldview in the ways that I feel like previous generations are, which makes what we do even more valuable yeah. uh, t- because our, our 
churches, I think, sometimes have have moved to try to be more attractional and not so focused on dis, uh, discipleship to where uh, sometimes these kids come and they know very little, not much more than maybe some of the lost who would come. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, we hear statistics where many church kids who come out of youth groups when they go off to college, not necessarily a college like Carson Newman, but a secular university, they get their faith challenged and many of them walk away from the faith. Maybe they never actually had a genuine faith. Maybe they were just riding their parents' religious coat strings. I don't know. I tell I tell our freshmen every fall that one of the most, if not the most important aspect of their college experience is for them to take ownership of their faith because to some large degree, I think most uh, students leaving high school, entering college, uh, uh, an awful lot of their faith has just been transferred by their parents, but they don't know why they believe what they believe. They just have these strongly held opinions or convictions in some cases, but they can't defend them. And in this culture, if you can't defend what you believe, then uh, you'll either hide those beliefs or you'll run from them. Wow, what a good word there, Charles. I appreciate that. So give us some of the, the history for those who aren't really familiar with Carson Newman, sure. the backstory of the, of the college. Carson Newman was founded by the churches in East Tennessee in 1851. Wow. And we still sit on the same plot of ground that the very first structure for Carson Newman was built on in 1851. We were established to prepare ministers and to provide Christian education in general to the community. And we are doing our best to remain faithful to that charge to help produce servant leaders, educated citizens who uh, love Jesus and trust his word. So academic programs would be not just preparing men for ministry. We have all the liberal arts that you would expect, but we have uh, undergraduate and graduate nursing, undergraduate and graduate business, undergraduate and graduate education. Uh, counseling. Uh, we have a lot of uh, a lot of professional programs in addition right. to the traditional liberal arts core that you would expect. How about the transition for the Fowler family from West Tennessee to East Tennessee? You know, th there is really nothing that is is not easy to love in East Tennessee. I've always loved the Smoky Mountains, and now then I. I wake up every day and look off my deck at the Smokies, and it is, it's beautiful. When we went to Carson Newman, we didn't know a single person who worked there. So every relationship has been new. Our, our family is loving, loving East Tennessee yeah. and loving the Carson Newman family. I know when you first came to Germantown Baptist Church, the kids were still in school, right? They were. Our youngest so, was 13. So where's the family at today? Well, our oldest daughter, uh, her husband has uh, this past spring got out of the military after 10 years and they have settled in Jefferson City, Tennessee, where we live and they have two children. We have uh, a grandson and a granddaughter with, with them and our <laughs> youngest daughter lives in Jonesboro, Arkansas and she and her husband are expecting Grandbaby number three. Oh, you'll congratulations. Come this spring, so we can't wait. We're excited. What do you call you as grandpa? Papa. Papa. 
I yeah. love that name. I'm just Papa. Isn't that the best calling to be a granddad, <laughs> Papa? <laughs> I am telling you, people told us before we were grandparents that when you become a grandparent, you think things and feel things that you never thought and felt. And that is exactly the way it is. We love it. So, so tell me about Manly Baptist Church in Morristown. Well, Sandra and I, after leaving pastoring, it was a it was an interesting journey for us to look for a church to join after having been a pastor here for over nine years. And we found a church that our very first Sunday, I think their invitation lasted about 45 minutes. The next Sunday, it was at least a half an hour. The, the spirit of God was just moving and great preaching. And we just... We just fell in love with that pastor and staff and those people, and we've planted our lives there. Yeah. Love it. Some of the things you enjoy in the community and other engagements, involvement? Yes, there is. I mean, we love to get into the Smokies. Um, every year of my life, we've vacationed in the Smokies. Yeah. And so I've always loved them. So we still love them. We still go to Dollywood. We go out and have places in the Smoky Mountain National Park that we love to just go and, and visit. And most of, we love sports. Carson Newman's uh, got a historic sports program. Yeah. Uh, and so we we are major boosters. And, uh, and with those uh, supporting our sports teams and the rest of the time it's grandkids <laughs> and the Smokies. So. Oh my, what a life. God's so good, isn't he? He is really good. There, We are loving it and we're grateful. Uh, grateful for our time in Memphis, but man, we are sure grateful for this, this season of life. There are always seasons change and every one of them are special and God does a unique work in our lives and we are we are loving this this season. That is so beautiful. Charles, you've been in the ministry a long time. What are some hindrances do you feel that are causing those who are called to ministry to shepherd, to pastor, to preach? What are some of the hindrances that pastors are facing? You know, uh, one of the things that I think it goes in their preparation. I think, I think that for too many places that prepare people to pastor, the people teaching the courses have never pastored. I have found uh, over the years, it's disappointing when people go into graduate programs to prepare for ministry and come out wanting to to be a professor or do something else. And so I think one, our young folks who are called to ministry need some really strong, godly role models, people who love the local church. They want their life to be invested in service through the local church. Uh, so that they can help ignite a fire for what yeah. uh, for what's happening in the local church. And I think too often uh, our students get into situations where all the exciting things they see are happening in parachurch organizations and other places and and they go through their education and there's just not a deep abiding love for the local church. and we've we've got to find ways to help people love the church. Oh, Charles, how do we do that? You know, I, I think it starts with schools who prepare people for ministry to make a commitment that uh, those who are going to be equipping uh, students have local church pastoral experience. Because if you've never been a pastor, you really don't understand what it's like to be one. 
So we are starting a new Master of Divinity program. And because of this passion of, of mine, we've made a commitment that 50% of the classes will be taught by full-time pastors in the local church who have the academic credentials to teach because we want these students to not only receive a great education, they need some role models and mentors in ministry to help them uh, even after they finish their degree, wow. people to call. I've heard oftentimes pastors who, you know, after they have graduated from a academic Christian learning or a seminary, they get out into the ministry and they said, I didn't have a class in that in, in school or that wasn't really prepared for that, you know? Exactly. So I, I think that's a great direction. It is. I mean, I think so. There's not a program like that, but you know, most most ministry preparation classes, they don't teach prayer. They don't teach some of the disciplines that are essential to having a vibrant spiritual life to sustain you yeah. through ministry. Yeah. And so, but having some mentors who have figured it out, they've walked that path. They're living in a local church ministry context that you can call on, be ministered to, encouraged by, mentored by, gives you a way to fill in those gaps that that uh, no, not any one degree program could cover. What are some of the biggest concerns you think are facing Tennessee Baptist where we are right now? You know, I think for Tennessee Baptist, um, one of the things that I'm grateful to see uh, Dr. Randy Davis and uh, other leaders of ours trying to address, but the world changed with COVID and it is a different we all serve, we work in the secular world, in the Christian world. Uh, our work is different now because the world is different. And there is a sense of change in our world is accelerating. And I'm not sure, uh, you know, there's such a strong gravitational pull to the status quo that I think the Tennessee Baptist Convention, just like our churches and Christian ministries, have got to have people that are looking forward, who are trying to figure out how do we remain not only relevant, but effective in a changing culture, changing context for ministry. We're going to have to be um, thinking more like missionaries rather than local church uh, right. that sort of thinks in a more stable, sustaining way. We're going to have to become more missional. You know, according to a Barna survey, 38% indicate that they have considered quitting full-time ministry within the past year. This percentage is up nine full points from 29% since Barna first asked the question to church leaders, that question beginning back in 2021. That breaks your heart. It does. And almost, honestly, I mean, I heard there's an epidemic uh, right now, which it con connects to everything we've been talking about. Like in the state of Mississippi, I heard one of their leaders recently reported in a meeting that I was in that 25% of the pulpits in Baptist churches, 25% of Baptist churches are in a search for a pastor right now. Uh, and there's not a pool large enough to draw from. And it's, it's significant in all of our states where there's just a shortage of pastors. And when you talk to pastors, uh, who are serving, uh, especially on this side of COVID. Uh, in my work, I interact with pastors all the time, and it is a regular occurring matter where they are just struggling. What's discouraging them most 
I think that what's discouraging them most is that they're in a season where that is they've never been called to minister in and conflict but covid brought on conflict so much that it's made it um pastors are not just pastoring in the way that they did they're they our society is so divided politically and and in so many different ways that it, it's it's expressing itself in the church and the pastors are are not able to preach and disciple yes, the right. way they have historically. And it, it's just exhausting. Our church members, are we taking on our responsibilities? You know, the Bible talks about pastor's role is to equip the saints to do the ministry. Exactly. And we put all these burdens. I met a pastor one time. I mean, he was he was cleaning the bathrooms and cutting the grass and pastoring. Exactly. And it's like you've got a higher, a higher gun here. I know. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Uh, it has been, I mean, you you will find, even for all of us, I found it in my own life, coming through COVID, we've been through such a difficult season that you get so consumed with what it takes for you just to get your life and your family through these days that, um, that you're not, you know, and I think when church members have become so self-consumed with just taking care of themselves, staying healthy, shortages and supply things it's so much more stressful to just live that they don't have the bandwidth left yeah. uh and they don't consciously focus on man what do i need to be doing in my church and and through covid so many churches have ended so many ministries because we became so remote yeah. that there weren't people and it's just been this huge change and but exactly what you say is is the Still, we have to get back to the heart of what the Lord has called the church to be and to do and for pastors to equip and the and the flock to do the work of the ministry. And uh, somehow or another, we're, our churches are going to have to recapture that vision. Yes, and trying to navigate that call as the church is to go and to make disciples, go into all the world and make disciples is Jesus' last words when he left this earth, which is foundational for the church. In light of where we live right now, trying to stay true to the word, making sure that we're staying true to scripture, but doing it in a way that's presented to this culture. I, I agree. I mean, but you, but churches and pastors here I've talked to this week, they went remote during COVID. Anywhere from 15 to 40% of their churches have never returned to in person worship. They're still just sitting on the periphery, participating via zoom or facebook and they don't ever see those people and thankfully there is some very encouraging signs where the the spirit of god is drawing new and fresh people into our churches because they sense a need for spiritual things that maybe they didn't before covid but man there's so many people in our churches who who were backbone yep. solid faithful serving followers of Jesus who who became so satisfied with a with a, a remote experience they're okay and so many churches I know have had to learn who didn't have the technology learn how to use it and I know in the case in our church here in Memphis we took advantage and have done streaming like many churches have on zoom or YouTube or Facebook and in light of that we've had people who 
are now members of the church. They've actually saw, you know, hey, I don't want to just watch it. We have some really faithful members now. We're never part of our body that are now part of our body. Exactly. And that and I think churches are seeing that. But, uh, you know, it, it you know, back to the initial back to the initial thing, pastors now are having to do essentially everything they were doing before COVID. They they now have these members who want to sit on the periphery and worship remotely, but they have expectations of their pastors. And at the same time, the church is expecting them to grow and attract new members yeah. and deal with all the the dynamics that, that we deal with in our culture and all the divided, uh, contentious ways that our world is, things that our world is throwing at us. And it's just, um, it's more than our pastors can bear. And uh, I pray for them. I try to encourage them as I talk with them. But I tell you, as a whole, pastors are, are struggling in general today. Well, I kind of want to go back to the educational portion of our conversation when it comes to financing education, knowing a student is get, getting out of high school, looking for scholarships, looking for financing. Because education has become a business, Charles, when it yeah. comes to buying education. It's so expensive. It is. It is something that families, uh, in general, my experience is that not very many families prepare for education, though they know it's going to be an expense. I still believe we're sitting in Bellevue Baptist Church, and one of my favorite Adrian Rogers quotes is that God pays for everything he orders. And so I, as I sit with families, I say the most important thing is to discern God's will for your life. And then let's let's map out a, a, a path that will make it possible for you to experience uh, to get an education. I don't think that for schools like Carson Newman that there's been a time that the church has needed these schools more than now, yeah. um, just because of all the things going on in education, the things that are being taught in classrooms in secular institutions. Yeah. Our children are going to go to. Where they go to college, they're probably going to find their spouses. They're going to probably form their lifelong friend group. And the influence that those years are going to have on the rest of their lives is so profound that it's one of those things. Why? It, it, it's not a guarantee if they go to a Christian school, but they're going to be surrounded in general with a much different yeah. group of people. Yeah. And uh, like at a Carson Newman, every employee is required for to be eligible for employment, to be a, a born-again follower of Jesus Christ and actively involved in a local church. And when you sit in any class, that makes a difference. Yes, yes. Because those faculty, whether you want them to or not, they exert enormous influence on the hearts and minds of their students. It just makes a difference, but it is challenging. Yep. It costs more because we pay for an education at UT Knoxville every time we fill our car up with gas. Yeah. We're contributing yeah. to that. And so part of the beauty of the Tennessee Baptist Convention is that the churches through the cooperative program provide support to Union University and Carson Newman University. That helps defray the cost. And it's different for every student. But uh, I, I believe that for everyone that God calls uh, to come to our school, if it requires sacrifice and and change, 
but there are, the Lord will make Amen. a way for Amen. them to experience his best for their lives. Amen. Charles, as we start to wrap up, I've got one other thing I want to kind of get you to talk about. Kids get out of high school, trying to find out which college to go to. And really, sometimes they have no idea what they want to do. Are we putting too much pressure? Maybe they should take a year off and serve through the Southern Baptist Cooperative Program and a mission or take a break and listen to God's voice where they should be heading in a career path. I think for some, that is exactly the way uh, it should be. Some of them need a break. But I think in general, because of the cost of education, uh, that parents and we tend to put way too much pressure on an 18-year-old to determine the path that they're going to walk for the rest of their lives. We couldn't do that when we were 18, nor should we expect them to, but because of the cost that's another beautiful part of a Union University and a Carson Newman University is that we're a liberal arts based. So there's a, a core where a student can take in their freshman and sophomore year and knock out those core classes and maybe take a business class as an elective or an education class and try to figure out what ignites this passion and vision in my heart for how the, the Lord might use me to serve yeah. him. And then commit yourself to a path for your junior and senior years. When you're at a school that's not a liberal arts path, they don't have the same kind of core that a liberal arts school does. And so you you really are sort of forced to make a decision. And if you change your mind after a year, you essentially start over. Yeah. So there's a lot of benefits to uh, a Christian education at a liberal arts institution. And that's one of them. But Yes, in general, every one of us parents, we didn't know what our life was going to look like at 18. And it's unfair how much pressure we put on our children that thinking that they're going to be able to commit to a life path and they've got to figure it out just like we did. Exactly. What a good word, Charles. Dr. Charles Fowler, this has been so enjoyable. Thank you so much at the summit of the gathering of Tennessee Baptist being held here at Bellevue Baptist Church where we're recording our radio show today. Now, if those listening want to know more about getting their students information about Carson Newman. They could go to our website at cn.edu. Our folks would love to give some information and share with them. But in general, the website cn.edu and they can get access to everything. God bless you, Charles. Thank you so much. Thank you. It is such a joy to see you again, Byron. And Thank you, and your, your bot radio uh, family is uh, such an important part of the Christian work in this region, and uh, I thank God for y'all, and, and uh, thank God for your ministry and just the way you use the platform that God's given you. It's a blessing. Thank you. 